Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. What is up? Welcome in. This is the Pick and Roll Podcast. We are coming at you live as always, and we are going to be talking about the opening night slate on DraftKings. So we're going to get into the DFS slate. Uh, We're going to talk a little fantasy MVP tonight, folks. So we're going to talk about who the fantasy MVP is for the 2019-2020 season. What is going on, Al Hunter, with me as always? How are you tonight, sir? I'm good, man. I'm just getting ready for ball. Uh, the countdown's at five days. I couldn't be happier and more excited. And I'm pumped about tonight's show. We got a special guest. Yes, sir. Kyle McEwen of Rotowire and Basketball Monster. What is going on, Kyle? What's up, Steve? What's up, Al? Um, thanks for having me on, guys. And Steve, your your uh, your your cadence is kind of emblematic or, or similar to um, Zach Lowe when he's opening up the Low Post podcast. Hello and welcome to – like it kind of slows down. Anyways, I liked that's it. That's amazing. I was, like, I was like, I'm on Zach Lowe's podcast? This is crazy. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's probably uh, the best compliment I've gotten from a guest so far in the pick and roll. But you know what? You are the first guest. So <laughs> the first guest we've had on this show. It's very brand new. This is our fifth episode, Al? Six. This will be number six. six. Yeah. Number six. I think we, you know, can work in some guests here. It's very fun to uh, bring uh, guys on who are very knowledgeable. Kyle, real quick, just tell the folks uh, what you're about and what you got going for them this season. <laughs> what am I about? Uh, I'm about fantasy basketball in the NBA. Uh, I work for basketballmonster.com and <clears throat> you can go over there. We have tons of tools for DFS season long fantasy um, to help run your team, to import your teams and uh, manage them through the tools that we have available there. We've got two different projections. That's one, our primary ones ran by Josh Lloyd from Red Rock B-Ball or the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Oh, I love Josh. He's a cool dude. And, uh, and then I'd run a, an additional set of projections to offer another perspective of how things are going to potentially unfold the rest of the season. So um, that's pretty much it. And then, uh, yeah, I drive right articles and all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we get into the opening slate, uh, we want to just talk about, you know, there's going to be a lot of fluctuation, obviously, after the opening night, first week of the season. I think there's going to be a lot of moves. There's going to be a lot of ads. There's going to be a lot of drops. As uh, you mentioned off air, Kyle, that we got to think about who's going to be dropped as well. So let's just talk about who we think is going to be a very viable ad for you. Um, And maybe you want to look early on in potentially drafting this person at the end of your draft, if you still have drafts, um, or just have this guy on your watch list. Uh, Al, we'll start with you. Who do you think is going to be one of the most added players after the first week? Uh. Hopefully, if he didn't get drafted, I think Carson Edwards. I'm going to go with a homer pick here as a Celtics fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just showed us in the preseason, especially in that last game against the Cavs, that, like he has unbelievable shooting potential, and he can go off in spurts like that. I mean, his deep ball is awesome, and I think if he gets a chance right from the jump early in the season in this rotation, I think he's going to be a hot waiver wire ad for sure. I like that a lot. I Man, I love Carson Edwards. I just see this guy being a high output and score. I just hope 
that, you know, at some point he can get the minutes that we want. I think right now he's going to be backing up Kemba. He is second on the depth chart, which is very nice. Um, but I'm really interested to see both of these guys out on the floor at the same time. I mean, you think about the Celtics team as, you know, defensive-minded with Marcus Smart out there at the two. Uh, but if they need some points and they need extra shooting, I think Edwards can slide right in next to Kemba uh, in, in lineup. So, yeah, that's a great call. Kyle, what about you? Uh, who do you think is going to be most added player uh, after week one? Uh, I think it's important to be keeping an eye on a, a lot of the teams that we don't necessarily um, either have new guys stepping into bigger roles uh, in their rotation or have unsettled rotation uh, spots right now going into yes. the start of the season. So, like, if you look at the the Hornets, they've got Dwayne Bacon stepping into a bigger role. He might be going undrafted in, in some of the, your 10-team leagues. You want to keep a close eye on him, the – the Hornets have talked about Dwayne Bacon possibly being their second leading scorer or even their leading scorer. I think Terry Rozier is going to hold down that uh, that that uh, task, though, as far as taking the most shots. But P.J. Washington on that team as well. It looks like he's stepping into a potential starting role at power forward. Uh, Malik Monk is somebody to keep a really close eye on going into the start of the season in case he uh, can produce a lot. Maybe they end up looking at P.J. Washington at center and pushing Cody Zeller out of there because they are – they're leaning hard into the, their youth movement. Um, and a lot of these guys too, like Miles um, Bridges, if he gets dropped in the first season, in the first like week or two of the season because he's just not playing that well and the shot's not going in, th those minutes should be secure for a guy like Miles Bridges. So that's somebody who you, if you see him get dropped, you grab, you grab that guy up. Absolutely. I yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and off air, I was talking about guys like Zach Collins. I was thinking of Landry Shamit, but, you know, these these are guys, as you guys have mentioned, that are probably going to be drafted at the end of, of draft. So, you know, I want to go a little bit deeper here. I want to talk about Aaron Holiday. And, you know, Victor Oladipo obviously is going to miss time. So we know that Brogdon is stepping into this starting role. Um, Jeremy Lamb is coming in, and he should have an expanded role, too. I really like, you know, the potential for Jeremy Lamb. I haven't always been on the Jeremy Lamb bandwagon, um, but I do see the potential for what he can be for fantasy basketball. However, um, you know, all of these guards are going to have, uh, you know, some opportunity with Oladipo out. And in the first week, you know, we could see Aaron Holiday get a chance because he's going to be backing up Brogdon. We know Brogdon isn't going to give you something like 20 points a night. He's not the guy, that kind of guy. He's going to fill up the stat sheet. Uh, he's going to be a game manager type guy. Aaron Holiday, he gives the Pacers a little bit of a different pace. Uh, and I think that Aaron Holiday, when he's out there, he's going to make some noise uh, while he has his opportunity. So I'm, I like Aaron Holiday. Um, and I actually tried to scoop him up in that Champions of the Universe League, and somebody got him right before me. And it was like one of the very last picks of the draft. So I'm actually glad that happened because I ended up getting your boy Carson Edwards out. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what's up. I think I actually lucked out and got the better of the two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, th I think another one that might not get drafted, and I actually got him in that uh, Champions of the Universe uh, draft, is uh, Boban Marijanovic. I think he's always viable when he gets minutes, and depending on his playing time from the start of the season with the Mavs, if he's playing you know, close to 20 minutes, he's always going to get you fantasy points. So I think if he didn't get drafted, I think he's worth a pickup, depending on how his playing time shakes out to start the season. Yeah, that Champions of the Universe League that we're in with a – obviously a bunch of other guys that that's a 20 team deep league so that yes. one's we're, we're getting we're getting pretty pretty into the weeds there with with some of those guys but it's also guys who are important to know because if you're playing dfs they're the ones who could crawl out of the woodwork on a given night and help you win 
100%. So let's get into the opening slate. Uh, you know, we have Clippers, Lakers, obviously headlining, and then we have the Raptors, Pelicans uh, for the 8 o'clock game, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, let's start with the point guards. We're going to talk about DraftKings scoring for uh, all intents and purposes here. So let's start at the point guards. LeBron James, obviously you're going to have to pay up. Of course, you know, you could play him at the small forward. So I think that's what I would do. Um, Al, who are you liking from the point guards in this slate? Uh, I think Kyle Lowry is way underpriced at $6,800. He's got the thumb problem, but uh, he's supposed to be ready to go for opening night. And last year in the 22 games without uh, Kawhi Leonard, Lowry scored 41 DK points per game, which is uh, 6.1 more points from his average for the year. And uh, in those games, his usage went up a team high 4.2%, and his assist rate also jumped up 4.9%. So, and last year against New Orleans, his opponent he uh, for opening night, he produced 38 points, DK points per game in the two meetings versus the Pelicans last year. So playing up in pace versus the Pelicans, I think Lowry's definitely a great price for sure. So 6,800, definitely underpriced. Uh, and you're smashing that over Lonzo Ball at 5,400? No, I think Lonzo's also a great play. Um, he's looked good in the preseason, especially with the new outside shot. And uh, last season to close out the year in his last 11 games with at least 30 minutes, he averaged 36.7 DK points per game. And he's looking like he's going to be over 30 minutes a night with this new role with the Pelicans. So I think $5,400 is way too cheap for him as well. And you're also liking Rondo, right? Yeah, same. <laughs> Hell yeah, we'll bang them all out. Yeah. Um, Rondo on the main stage, you know, national games. People don't like to play in the narratives, but it's very real with Rondo. Yes. And um, especially going against his former coach in Doc Rivers. And uh, over the last three years, Rondo was averaging 36 uh, DK points per game versus the Clippers. And last season, in his three meetings versus the Clippers, he destroyed them for 48 DK points per game. So now this all depends on if Rondo starts because – I think he's going to start at the one um, for that Lakers lineup. But if he didn't start, he'd be more of a GPP play. But if he starts and we get the word before uh, tip-off, which we should with the new NBA rule that they had to align, announce the lineups 30 minutes before tip, I think Rondo is an absolute lock at $5,100 if he starts. I love that. Kyle, um, the point guard position, are you going to pay up for uh, Drew Holiday or would you rather you know, play somebody like Alonzo at 5400 as opposed to 79? Do they do they let us play Drew or do they get him solely as a uh... no shooting guard too? That's what I was gonna say. I would play him at shooting guard. One hundred percent. Drew Holiday is he's supposed to carry a bigger load for this Pelicans team this year. Now they were kind of letting a lot of those minutes go to Zion Williamson, but as we were talking about before the show started, Zion Williamson has this looming potential knee injury um, that's gonna hold him out of tomorrow's preseason game and might even put his start of the season in question. So if Zion's not available, Drew Holiday is a guy who's definitely going to be a target here at 7,900 because he's, he's going to have the open lane to even more production because the ball is going to be in his hands. So he's going to potentially get more assists. He's definitely going to get more scoring. But, I mean, Lonzo Ball's great as the starting point guard for the Pelicans. And then Fred Van Vliet, he might start at shooting guard a lot, or he's supposed to start at shooting guard next to Kyle Lowry a lot. If Lowry doesn't play for whatever reason – there's a, he, you're definitely going to see Fred Van Vliet start at point guard for the, the Raptors on opening night. So those are definitely guys to consider. What do you guys, what's your guys' perception of like players who have who've done well in the preseason who might get hype, like a Nikhil Alexander Walker or a, an Alex Caruso? Like, are you, you're telling people to play, stay away from them or is it worth putting them in your lineup when they only cost 3,400 or less? 
I would stay away from them. I mean, if Zion, for whatever reason, doesn't play, then maybe Alexander Walker is viable. But Caruso just isn't going to get the minutes that you want. Um, and neither is, neither is Alexander Walker, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, both of these guys are definitely people that, you know, look, if for whatever reason, you know, they have an expanded role in opening night, you know, Alexander Walker could certainly be a guy who we're talking about is one of these waiver wire pickups. Caruso is buried in this depth chart, and, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for him to find minutes. Yeah, going into opening night, one of the advantages we have is if we guess the rotations right. So, I mean, guys like that I don't think are really worthwhile. I think there's enough value in this opening night slate that, you know, the salaries went up early enough that we have a chance to attack these guys that are too cheap, like Rondo, like Lonzo, and like you were saying, Fred Van Fleet who averaged 20 DK points per game in all the games without Kawhi last year. So he's also in play if he gets the starting nod. And uh, if Zion does play, though, I think he's a really good play at $7,400. If we get indication that he's not going to be limited at all or anything, I mean, he has looked great in preseason, and he's been filling up the stat sheet. And at 7400 that's just too cheap for the volume he's going to get, I think. He'll be an AK player soon if the injury isn't that serious. Before we move on from the point guard, you, we haven't mentioned your boy Bev, man. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, obviously we know that Rondo and Bev are going to have the battle. We, we know that's going to happen. Um, if Bev can get in his head, he's going to get a couple steals in this game. He's going to make a couple threes. Would you consider him at 5,000 or is there just too much uh, talent on the board? I think the other guys around him, Lonzo and Rondo and Fred Van Fleet, are just much better plays. I do. Um, Beverly hasn't really done much in the preseason, and these guys are guaranteed volume. So, well, and the the Clippers are even talking about having Terrence Mann in their guard rotation, and they started Terrence Mann at point guard for some of the preseason stuff. So, it's um, it's just a it's a weird situation with Patrick Beverly. Like they re-signed him this offseason, didn't they? And yet, when they bring him back, you've got um, you've got Doc Rivers talking about the potential of starting several different guys at point guard this season, whether it's Landry Shamit or even Lou Williams. And it's like, dude, you've got Pat Beverly there. just <laughs> and, and, and you just want a defensive guy there for the most part next to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but maybe they want more shooting. Who knows? Yeah. So you mentioned Van Fleet and I, I love that call because 4,800 is a nice play for opening night in the two guard spot. Um, so let's move over to these two guards. Uh, I think there's a lot of good options in the 4,000 range, mainly Landry Shamit. He does have the wrist injury. Uh, Doc Rivers has said it's not a big deal. He could have played the other night or continued to play, but um, obviously it was preseason. So it looks as if he is going to be the starter at the two guard. Um, you can also play him at the small forward, which is very interesting. Um, I like Landry Shaman a lot this season um, at 4,200 without Paul George. Um, I'm looking at him as like, I can save some money at this position. And then of course, Lou will always a great play in DFS. You know, they're going to need the scoring from somebody else besides Kawhi and against his old team, the Lakers at Staples center, Lou Williams is an awesome play at 6,500. Yeah, I mean, up top, getting Drew in the shooting guard spot would be huge, especially if Zion is out. We don't know yet. Um, and then Fred Van Fleet, like we talked about. And I do like Shamit, but I think I would rather go right up to Van Fleet. And then um, on the Lou Williams end, I think he's going to be the second primary scorer without PG. And he just absolutely torches the Lakers. Last season in four meetings, he uh, averaged 40.6 DK points per game versus them. So I think Lou is definitely in play. 
I mean, I'm not expecting Shamit to have an eight assist game like he did in the preseason, but there is the potential for him to show off a little bit more of that playmaking skill set that he that he had in college with the fact that, as you pointed out, Steve, Paul George is going to be out for, you know, the first at least month of the season, it seems like. So mm-hmm. um, Landry Shamit's probably going to be one. Shoot, going back to our conversation from earlier about season-long stuff, Landry, Landry Shamit's someone who might get added and dropped a lot at the beginning of the season, depending on if his shot's falling. So he'll be someone to watch and also consider to add. Yeah, 100%. I think he was top 30 last season in three-pointers made. Um, so, you know, with the expanded role that we project he's going to have, especially in the time that, I mean, look, even when Paul George comes back, we know that they're going to rest Kawhi on certain nights. Uh, they need scoring somewhere when one of their two superstars isn't on the floor. Um, so Shaman is definitely somebody to keep on your radar throughout the season. Good point, Al, the 4,800 with Van Fleet uh, as opposed to 4,200 with Shamit. Um, and then you look at Danny Green for 5,300. I'm just fading all of that. Um, no way I can do that. Uh, J.J. Reddick can be interesting. I'm just – it's really, really tough. You know, this Pelicans team, you know, they have a lot of talent. I, I really just don't know how they're going to use everyone. And J.J. Reddick is one of those guys I'm really not sure how he projects as far as his minutes per game. Yeah, and, well, it was confusing trying to figure that out this preseason as well because Nikhil Alexander-Walker was having such a high usage and, and right. doing so many different things off the bench, and the Pelicans weren't necessarily worried about – seeing what Reddick was going to do because they already know who, who he is as a player. So um, it, it kind of gave us a, a hard way or it's, it was hard to know what to trust in regards to the, uh, the preseason output that we saw from the Pelicans, because in all likelihood, you're going to see Nikhil Alexander Walker roll scale back a lot as true holiday does more as they get Reddick regular shots in the rotation. So it'll, it, as you said, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, two Terrences I wanted to talk about, and then a Duncan. The Miami Heat started Duncan Robinson at his at shooting guard or small forward, however you want to put it. Um, for now, three of their I think four uh, preseason games, everybody got hyped up on Tyler Hero after he had a big performance in the last game. But Duncan Robinson's looking like he might be the the favorite to start, and then. You also have Terrence Davis with the Raptors and Terrence Mann with the Clippers. All these guys are $3,000. That's why I'm grouping them together. But I'm wondering if any of them kind of like are worth considering or somebody to just kind of keep your eye on going into opening night in case a, a, an unknown injury opens up more time for them. Yeah, I think Terrence Mann is definitely interesting. Um, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, it's tough to play him in this opening night. I don't know how much minutes he's going to get, if any, to be honest. But, you know, again, PG out, they're going to need scoring from somewhere. Mann seems to kind of have some chemistry with this team already. Uh, so I do like Terrence Mann. Looking at the small forward position, LeBron James, you, you got to play him. You know, it's, it's either LeBron or it's Kawhi. Um, I think that the LeBron-Kawhi combo is very nice, obviously. Um, it's very expensive. But, you know, you can do it and save some money with your uh, Landry Shamits and your um, Van Vliet's. Um, so I think that if you're going to do that, there's definitely some options for you. Um, Al, are you good with doing that? Are you good with playing LeBron at the point and then Kawhi at the small forward? I mean, if we get word that LeBron is starting at point and Rondo's on the bench, I would definitely like LeBron twice as more, and I think he'd be an awesome play at $9,900. But, I mean, going against Kawhi is never ideal, and uh, especially I know it's not really a road game because they're both in the Staples Center, but playing on the Clippers' home court would be tough. 
if he's playing point guard, I think he's definitely a great play. But if we get worried that Rondo's starting, I'd rather go with Rondo and I'd probably rather put my money to some other high-end player like AD. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and that's that's definitely vibe because we have to consider that we're gonna want to play these guys like AD. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, we're talking about that uh, that away you know road. You know, the floor is gonna look like that Grand Theft Auto like font. I, I love what the Clippers are doing with those jerseys this year. Um, I'm really excited for that. I think they're gonna open up with those. Uh, I haven't got word, but I saw the new jerseys. And I saw what the floor was gonna look like. So, you know, it's definitely gonna be a different feel when it's a Clippers game for sure. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's not really a road or home game, but yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's never that way with that Staples Center, but uh, it'll definitely be a different vibe uh, when when it's a Clippers game. For sure. This is a a huge game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kyle, how are you liking Brandon Ingram or not liking Brandon Ingram? Uh, Small forward, you can put him at the power forward as well. 5,800 for uh, DraftKings purposes, but, you know, are you seeing, you know, especially, you know, we have to consider now with Zion being hurt, are you seeing a boost uh, or an uptick in production for Brandon Ingram as a Pelican? Um, I don't know if we're going to see a, 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 like a depression in his production this season, but I think it's hard to really project a, a big growth for him unless someone like Zion ends up missing, missing time. Then maybe we'll see more, gro- more growth from Brandon Ingram. But I think most of the growth that he should be able to show is just improving his efficiencies um, shooting this season there's just there's a lot of mouths to feed on that pelicans team and it's hard to know exactly who's going to be given like force fed shots but as you pointed out brandon ingram and all these pelicans need to be on people's radar in case zion misses the game because that's going to open up a ton of extra opportunities to both shoot the ball and get assists og ananobi from toronto just 3900 i think is interesting because he's supposed to start at small forward and get you know he, he may not be the most aggressive player out there but it seems like he's trying to be more of a a uh, kind of uh, trying to put his stamp on the game offensively a little bit more uh, this season. I think that's a great call, honestly, because, you know, I was just about to say, like, the small forward position, like most nights in, in daily, is kind of ugly. Um, you know, if you're not getting LeBron, you're not getting Kawhi, it gets a little iffy after that. But, you know, at, so why not pay down for OG, who should get uh, – some you know i mean he could get around 30 minutes in this contest that's a great call at 3900 um al what do you think about og and are you kind of on the same page like if you're not getting lebron you're not getting Kawhi, might as well just pay down yeah i mean og is probably the most viable guy under four grand for this slate and like we're talking about a two-game slate here he's kind of a salary relief that you might have to take a risk on he might be necessary if you want to get some high-end guys and uh in all the games without Kawhi last year that og played in he averaged 18.6 DK points per game. But I think his ceiling's limited. He only scores 0.7 DK points per minute. And I feel like OG always lets me down. But yeah. like I said, like I said, it's a two-game slate. And if this guy's starting, $3,900 isn't going to be – you're not going to find a starter that cheap. So Anthony Davis, the highest-priced guy on the slate, uh, $10,200. Uh, are you smashing that out? Or, I mean, you can't, you can't fade it. you got to play Anthony Davis, right? <laughs> I think he's definitely the top play. I mean, that goes without that obvious because he's the highest priced player. But uh, I mean, it's a great place for him. He's 10 2. And last year, he averaged 55.2 DK points per game. So right over there, he's over five times value. And uh, the Clippers were just terrible versus big men last season. Uh, they allowed the third most DK points per game to the centers. And uh, last year, versus the Clippers, AD averaged 69.7 DK points per game. So that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, the matchup's going to be a little tougher with Kawhi out there, but. 
they shouldn't be any more stout inside defensively. So I think AD definitely is the top overall play. Yeah, I think in a lot of my lineups for opening night, I'm going to combo AD with JaVale McGee. Um, I, I just really like their chance at both getting double-doubles, um, honestly. And, you know, you got the blocks out there. The Lakers are just so big right now. Um, and you got to play Anthony Davis while you can, where you know he's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, and opening night, he should uh, get a lot of minutes. Anybody else from the power forward? Siakam, obviously a great play. Um, 7,600. Uh, you got to like Siakam, what he did for you last year in fantasy. Um, I, I really do think that, uh, you know, he is going to step into his own as the second or even first, you know, uh, option on this team uh, after Kyle Lowry. So Siakam, 7,600. You know, he doesn't let you down too often in fantasy, especially last year and any games without Kawhi. Um, so Siakam is definitely viable at 7,600 if you want to save some money at that power forward. Kyle, do you like uh, Montrez Harrell um, going forward? I mean, you know, it's very interesting because uh, what is the center? The Vita Zubac. Right yes, I, I, <laughs> his name. I love this guy. I mean, I I really think that I still Big believe. Z. I really I still believe in Zubac. I do. And oh, yeah, he's awesome. I think that you know at some point it's going to really dig into Harold's uh, fantasy production. Are you feeling the same way? Or do you think that they're one, they're independent of each, of each other? Um, no, I'm, they're definitely tied to each other. Like we saw last season, it was pretty much like a 20, 20 to 21 minutes for Zubat every night as a starter. And then Montrezl Harrell would come off the bench and play the other 26, you know, 28 minutes or so. Um, this season, in a situation against the Lakers where Davis is starting at power forward and JaVale McGee is starting at center, I, I, I wonder if the Clippers will start Jamichael Green, Mo Harkless at power forward, or if they'll throw Harrell out there to try to cause a little havoc with, um, with Anthony Davis. So I, th- that might give Harrell a higher ceiling for, for the opening night if he's getting a spot start at, at uh, power forward. Um, I really, if, if they end up starting Jamichael Green and Mo Harkless, though, I wouldn't expect them to play huge minutes. I'd expect them to just be part of kind of a timeshare thing, that rotation that's going to be going on at Power Forward. Um, if I'm going to get super excited about somebody in this uh, Power Forward grouping, it's probably going to be that $5,600 for Derek Favors. Okay. And, and do you project him to get, like, you know, around 25 minutes? I mean, if Derek Favors is healthy, you know, he was, he had his minutes a little bit limited in the preseason. Um, I believe he had a hamstring issue there uh, coming into train during training camp. But if if he's healthy, I mean, especially if Zion's out, I think it's going to be hard for Favors not to play 30 minutes. It's who else do they got at at center for this Pelicans team? I'm like, that's, I'm kind of like, I'm there's, there is a, there's a bit of a Derek Favors hype coming into the preseason. And then, it's it's really faded, and I think a lot of that's just because there's so much of a, a spotlight on Zion that everybody – I think everybody's looking over at Derek Favre. It's like, he's not going to be able to do crap. And it's yeah. like, well, he's still in a great position. Well, it's J- Jaheel Okafor who definitely, you know, look, he, he's a body. And then they have Jackson Hayes, who's a rookie who can jump out the building and, you know, block shots. Um, so if Favors is, gets hurt, which – Look, it's bound to happen. We've said it before on this show. It's bound to happen with favors. We already saw it in the preseason, like you mentioned, Kyle. One of these guys is going to step up into that role. But you got a good point. I mean, 5,600, Derek Favors at power forward. uh, To be able to start him at that power forward and maybe put AD, combo that, um, I do like that a lot. Al, anybody from this power forward position that you like? 
Yeah, real quick, the other big man they got is Nikola Melli. I don't know if you guys know about him. He's kind of like a mirror type player, European guy. Okay. Uh, he, he could shoot from outside and stuff. It depends on if he actually gets the playing time. But I think he'll, he's someone that might be incorporated if Zion is actually out. And I'm with you, Kyle. If uh, Zion is out, Derek Favors is going to be definitely viable. But I, I think it's hard to ignore Siakam. I keep bringing it up, but the Raptors are all priced like Kawhi's still on the team. And we all know that's not the case. And when Kawhi was out last year, they all received huge bumps. And uh, Siakam. Yeah, I was pretty uh, surprised when I saw Siakam at just 7,600. Because I was like, what? There's, like you said, there's no Kawhi there. Yeah, he averaged 35 and a half DK points per game in all the games without the claw. And he also scored 2.2 more DK points per game at home last season. And uh, it's playing way up in pace versus New Orleans, who was one of the fastest teams in the NBA last season. And we know Siakam is someone who does a lot of his damage in the fast break. And um, New Orleans also allowed the fourth most DK points per game to power forwards last year. So I think Siakam's in a smash spot. I love that. So moving to center, I mean, JaVel McGee, 4,800. I think that's a great play for you. Um, like I said, he's a double-double waiting to happen. Um, he's going to be out there paired with uh, Anthony Davis a lot. I think they're going to move Anthony Davis to the center a lot of times and, you know, uh, put uh, LeBron, play him at the three, four. So they can do a lot of different things with this lineup uh, for the Lakers. But McGee's going to start 4,800 if you want to save some money at that center spot. I think you could do a lot worse. Um, I would rather play JaVel McGee. Well, I think that JaVel McGee can give you comparable output that to uh, Derek Favors if Zion is playing. If Zion's playing and healthy, then, you know, I would probably go uh, JaVel at the center over Derek Favors. Anybody else at the center? I mean, we've talked about a lot of these guys. Um, Zubak is an interesting play. I think, Kyle, you kind of uh, were hitting the nail on the head there that, you know, this Lakers team is big. And who – else is big on this Clippers team I mean Harrell is not you know what is he like six eight he has a lot of energy but he can't really compete with the size I think they have to play Zubak yeah no there's there's a good chance I mean I think Zubak is gonna get his about 20 minutes without right. much question it might you know fall to like 18 or whatever but for the most part I'd, I'd expect Zubak to play a decent amount of minutes it's a question of whether or not the Clippers view the combination of McGee and then Dwight Howard backing him up as a reason to play Zubat even even more minutes uh, than usual. So uh, definitely worth considering. Forty seven hundred seems like I don't I don't know if there's much upside for that play. So, sure. but I mean Siakam, the fact that you could throw him in at center at seventy six hundred, uh, Harold's worth the I think probably might be worth more of the upside play. I definitely like favors. Um, I think I'd rather go McGee over Zubag for just a hundred bucks more. I mean, McGee, right. ever, yeah. If he's yeah. if he's definitely a starter, he scored one point two one DK points per minute last year, which is great. He averaged twenty seven DK points per game, and we saw some ceiling games from McGee. I mean, over forty. And uh, I said it earlier, the Clippers were just terrible versus Bigs last season. So um, he averaged twenty five point seven DK points per game versus the Clippers last season, and it's a little concerning, like playing with AD, you know, losing rebounds. But I still think McGee is such an efficient player. I would go with him for $4,800. And like you said, playing Siakam at center is huge also. And Harrell is always interesting. I mean, he's so much better on his home floor. We keep talking about it's not really home game, but at home he averages 4.1 more DK points per game. And he's always got strong correlation playing with Lou Williams. So I think if they keep those two off the bench, which I think they will, I think Harrell's definitely in play. Well, and as, as you touched on, Al – if Nicolo Melli 
uh, ends up getting the start at power forward if Zion Williams sitting out, then you just throw him in at 3,000. and I'll plug him in. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Chris Brochet is a little bit interesting from the Raptors just because they plan on playing him at center, power forward, and and small forward sometimes. So um, if there's injuries or rest days for a guy like Marcus Saul, there's the potential for Chris Boucher to step in and, and be of use in DFS um, from time to time. So he's someone to kind of watch because he should be a pretty regular part of the rotation for the Raptors this year. For sure. That's a good call. That's a great call. Yeah. And another guy that should be on your radar for adding after the are first you, week. Are you willing to consider Dwight Howard? I was going to bring him up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'd way rather just go right to McGee or Zubak for just a little more, but Dwight Howard could get a double double in this game. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is another guy. I mean, we're like, we need to figure out exactly how this rotation is going to look. It, it looks like it just could be, you know, a, a situation where McGee, Howard, Anthony Davis, they're all playing that center spot. Anthony Davis can slide into the power forward. I don't see a situation where they would put Howard and McGee out on the floor at the same time. Um, but it looks like, you know, Howard's just going to be used in spots where, you know, they need them. I don't think they want to overuse them. They don't need to. They have the luxury of having McGee and Davis. So it'll be very interesting. I don't think they need to overuse Dwight Howard, which is going to limit his uh, his ceiling in fantasy. Yeah, but Howard's the kind of pivot you could make to win a GPP with only two games. You know, if you got a double-double out of Howard and Zubak and McGee ended up flopping, uh, you're right there, you're winning all the money. So I, th- I think he's definitely a deep sleeper that – I mean, it's two games slate. Everybody's going to be owned, but he's someone that might be in the 10% range. That's a great call. Um, anybody else from the center position before we move on? Uh, well, Zubak and Howard, I mean, it, we're, we're talking about them. I'm not Zubak. Uh, McGee and Howard, like, they're kind of boomer bust guys, like, if you're investing in them. Like, right. they're yeah. either going to be really good for you or they're going to be in. Eh. Yeah, and, and you're hoping for the double-double. I mean, you need that for them to be relevant. I mean, unless they, you know, McGee is going to be more likely to give you the blocks if, if you want um but you're you're hoping for that you know that 12 and 10 type of night for either of these guys so um i think one of them's going to do it i I, it's going to be tough to predict who you would think it's going to be mcgee because he's starting but uh depending on how they use dwight howard uh, maybe maybe he sees more minutes than mcgee depending on the night i think there's going to be nights where howard does uh see the floor more than mcgee so it's just going to be on a night-to-night basis it's probably going to be very hard to predict a couple guys we didn't mention that I also think are in play is Serge at 5,200. Uh, he scored 33 DK points per game in the 20 without Kawhi last year. And I also think Avery Bradley's viable if he starts. I mean, he lacks ceiling kind of like OG. But if he if he got the start, I mean, you're banking on the playing time. And if he ended up playing 30 minutes, I don't think it's a bad play at $4,100. Yeah, so the way it's looking for the Lakers is they're either starting LeBron. I think it's likely they're going to start LeBron at the point and have Rondo uh, come off the bench. Um, and then they would put Avery Bradley at the two? Uh, yeah, or Danny Green. They'd probably flip-flop one of those two at the two and three. Right. So I think I think if they did do LeBron at the one, it'd be LeBron, Avery, Danny Green, JaVale, and AD. Or, you know, AD plays the four, JaVale at the five, either way. But uh, I kind of think they're going Rondo at the one. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't I, think I do. you're crazy. I just hope you're wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm oh, right. God. I hope I'm right. I'm hope I'm right. I'm, I'm all over Rondo, especially when he does these national TV games. Like I said earlier, people don't like to read the narratives, but I'm telling you, him playing the Clippers is real. And like he's going to try to show out the Clippers are rejuvenated. You know, this is the big game, the LA versus LA. It's national TV. People think Rondo's 
old we're at now or whatever, but I'm telling you, he's going to show if he comes off the bench or he starts. But he's a month. I just hate months, the idea not. of putting another ball dominant player out there with LeBron. And I get it. Rondo shot better three point percentage than you know, he, like he's not as horrible as people want to make him out to be. But why put somebody out there whose best skill is handling the ball when you've got LeBron handling the ball most of the time? It's like what's going to help LeBron? Put a shooter out there. Sure. So. Even even if Avery Bradley isn't a better shooter, he's probably got better gravity than what Rajon Rondo does. Yeah, but you you could also ditch McGee, put him to the bench, and then you go Avery, Rondo, LeBron, Danny Green with AD. Well, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the, I mean, the, but, the obnoxious thing about that is the fact that that's all contingent upon the fact that there are players out there like Anthony Davis, like LeBron, who don't like to play certain positions. I'm a power forward. I'm a small forward. Dude, if you move up one position, you know what you know what other teams are going to do? They're going to match up with you. You're yeah. going to get guarded by the same guys. You're going to end up guarding the same guys. And in those instances where you do have to guard somebody who's not fun to guard because they're plotting or whatever, guess what's going to happen on the other side of the court? You're going to play them off the court. Like, just do what's going to win. But on uh, but narratives and ego drive so much crap out there, which is why you have stupid situations. Like, like, you're right. Anthony Davis should be starting at center for this team. They never should have signed Dwight Howard. They should have went out and got another shooter. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, 100%. I mean, no matter what, AD's ending the game at the five spot. I mean, at the, at the end of the game, it's going to be Harrell versus AD, I think, even though that's a huge mismatch. I think those are going to be the two fives on the court at the end in the optimal lineups, I think. you got to love AD in that situation, obviously. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he should smash. Yeah. I mean, AD's, AD's so talented that it doesn't matter what, what position he plays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but speaking of Avery Bradley, I mean, look, he's the type of guy that can really hurt your lineup, uh, just to be clear. But at the same time, I'd rather – it just the way I'm looking at this game, I'd rather play Avery Bradley if he is starting uh, for his price on DraftKings than Danny Green. Um, so that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. We saw yeah, Avery point Bradley. point per dollar basis, I think he's better than Danny Green. If they're both starting, yeah, I agree with you. And but, I mean – both Avery's, of these guys can get steals. Both of these guys can hit threes, and that's what you're hoping for with both of them. Yeah, but the big news to watch that we keep bringing up is, I mean, if Zion's out, that would unlock hopefully Melly or maybe even Okafor off the bench. I mean, they're both 3,200 and 3,000 minimum. So, I mean, if that was unlocked, we wouldn't even be considering someone like Avery Bradley, I don't think. So let's move on from the DFS slate for the opening night. I hope uh, this wins you some money. Uh, please listen every week. We're going to be talking to – about a lot of these slates on uh, on the pick and roll and then also on Flex or Fade, which is our live stream that we have on the Expand Box Score Twitter, uh, also on YouTube and Facebook. Um, but let's get into some season long because we have Kyle on and we want to talk about our fantasy MVP this season. And this isn't a cop out. You can't just say a first round pick. I mean, you can, that's fine. But we want to talk about who's going to be most valuable. Uh, talk about where you drafted him. Uh, and how, like last season for me, it was it was Siakam. Siakam was, you know, what like an eighth round pick, something like that, and he really became a fantasy superstar uh, for majority of last season. So I'm thinking along the lines of somebody like that um, that you can get in somewhere in the middle of your draft. But this can also this can be anywhere really. Um, so Al, we'll start with you. Who is the fantasy MVP for you? I mean, uh, we keep repeating it. I'm like a broken record on these shows, but it's Bam uh, from the Miami Heat, Bam out of Bayou. I mean, his ADP is 55 right now, so in the fifth round. And uh, with Whiteside going to Portland, this makes Bam the starting center and one of their core players. 
for this season. And uh, in the 10 games without Whiteside last year, Bam started in all of them, and he produced 30 DK points per game. Um, and the Heat recorded a record of 21-17 and 17 in all the games that Bam played 25 minutes or more. And uh, we keep – me and Steve bring it up all the time, but he looked good in the, on Team USA. He looks like he expanded his offensive game a little bit. And he's always a good defender that will get you blocks and steals. Uh, he ranked 28th in real defensive plus minus last year out of 514 qualifying players. So I think Bam's someone that's going to get you defensive stats, and he's going to be a double-double threat each night. So at 55 ADP, that's via Yahoo, I think Bam is going to be the fantasy MVP and yeah. definitely, definitely a candidate for most improved player of the year. We've seen it in the preseason, too. He's not just a post guy. I mean, he can take the ball from the elbow and put it on the floor and create his own buckets. Um, he can do that for you. This Miami Heat team, I'm telling you, man, I mean, they really have talent. If they can put it together, there's a lot of egos. But Bam isn't one of those guys. Bam is a guy who's going to come to play every night. Uh, I love that because, look, I mean, we talk about we compare him to guys like Clint Capella, um, who you're going to have to pay up for in drafts. Uh, I, I would say if, if you're going to just wait on the center, you know, an extra round or two, you can get Bam, and I think that he could outproduce somebody like Clint Capella this year. So, yeah, I love Bam. I love that call, Al. Hell yeah, that's what's up, <laughs> Kyle. Who is your fantasy MVP? Um, you know, when you put it in the context of Siakam, he was he was someone who was on the waiver wire for a lot of people at the beginning of the year in like ten team leagues. So, um, it's it's hard for me to think of someone who's going to be on the wire to start the year, maybe, maybe somebody like Zach Collins, uh, who, if he gets off to a rough start and he ends up, um, getting dropped early, that's the kind of guy who throughout the season, he can improve dramatically. Um, but as far as guys who are getting drafted right now, who are just going super late and you can get them at a potentially great value, and Yahoo, they've got Lonzo Ball ranked just 91. But this guy's going to start in one of the, if not probably the fastest pace offense in the NBA this season with the Pelicans. Um, and he's going to have tons of minutes, likely, as the starting point guard. And we should hopefully see him improve his shot and just improve his overall game as he's gotten older and can hopefully stay healthy this year. So if, if Lonzo Ball falls to you, you know, past pick 60, yeah, that's just great value. So if, and if it's any further than that, all the better. Yeah, and like you were saying, I think New Orleans is always going to be in really great game environments. I mean, they were third in pace last year, and they're only going to get faster with Lonzo now. And they were also 24th in defensive efficiency last year. And even though Zion's in town and Derek Favors, I still think they're going to be a pretty bad defensive team. And I feel like every night when I, we open the Vegas lines, New Orleans' line is going to be one of the highest over-unders of the night. So I'm with you. I think Lonzo is awesome pick. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great call. Um, I'm, going, I'm going Trey Young. So I think I kind of set the stage for like deeper guys. <laughs> you guys definitely went a little deeper than than I am right now. I'm I'm going up and you know Trey Young is a top 25 guy at this point. He's right on the cusp of that top 25. Uh, but I'm just seeing him. I'm seeing the progression of Trey Young. I mean, 18 and eight last year. Look, that that can easily be 20 and 10. If it's 20 and 10 then you're really liking drafting Trey Young. And, you know, you're liking it because he's giving you the three-pointers made, 156 last season. I think that can even improve. We remember last year he was atrocious to start the year for the three-point range. Uh, so you figure that he's going to start off a little bit better than last year um, and not kind of put you in that hole um, that he did. So, look, 18 and 8, like I said, I think that moves up to around 20 and 10. 
Um, he's going to give you the three-pointers. Um, he was about to steal a game last year. That also, you know, I think, is going to increase. They, the Hawks, they didn't really – they made a lot of moves. You know, they added DeAndre Hunter, um, but they didn't necessarily add a great deal of talent, right? I mean, Trey Young, his usage rate is going to be through the roof. You know, they got Alex Len at center. You know, uh, Kevin Herter is there, my boy, out of Maryland. Uh, but who do they really have, you know, to score the ball that it can create plays for themselves besides Trey Young? I mean, he's a ball is just – the offense is going to go through this guy. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, uh, Kyrie on this show. And when we look at guys like Kyrie that you have to pay up for, it's like wh- why not just wait like an extra round and get somebody like Trey Young who you know is going to give you or presumably give you 82 games. You know, he well, played 81 it- last season. When you got Ky- Kyrie Irving, who's going to give you fifty to sixty games, you know, we don't even need to see that much development from Trey to have him be better this season either, because um, he only played thirty minutes as a rookie last year. And their their GM president Travis Schlank came out and said during the summer that the idea is that Trey and John Collins can play closer to thirty five minutes per game this year. So if I mean if if you're talking thirty four thirty five minutes. Yeah, that's an extra four or five minutes per game for Trey. It's it's going to be pretty great value. Nice boost. One hundred percent, man. And then of course, and I'm glad you brought up John Collins because you have to uh, factor in the progression of a John Collins too, which can only help Trey Young. Hopefully, they can figure out you know uh, a couple pick and rolls uh, in the offense that you know can really help them. I think that John Collins can improve in that kind of way um, and and help Trey Young. So I just I really like Trey this season. Um, you know, I look at Luca and I look at Trey. I really see that the the ceiling is a little bit higher for Trey Young. When I when I, I they're, they're, these two guys are always going to be compared. Um, so when I'm looking at when I'm staring down the draft board and I see both of these guys on the board, I'm usually clicking on Trey Young. That's what's up, man. Uh, Steve, you know how you said uh, Kevin Herter is your guy. Yeah, Landry, Landry Shamit's your guy too, man. <laughs> <laughs> you love Landry Shamit. I wanted I, to say I, it really. I I just like three point shooting a lot, and anybody who's going <laughs> to give me like a hundred plus three point shoot shots, I like on my team. So I mean, and Kevin Herter, like honestly, look, he could step up into a big role. Like they just always have the same guard. They have so many guards, so many forwards. You know, it's really tough to like narrow down who's going to get the minutes. But you know, if, if Kevin Herter can actually step up into that role, he could be a real a good guy for for your fantasy team this year. Another guy who could be a potential waiver wire ad. Um, for sure. Just as, just as he was last year, honestly. So, you know, another guy who to keep on your radar. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you can follow Kyle at uh, Roto Kyle NBA, one of the best Twitter handles around. I mean, that's so simple. So, so simple. Uh, so again, <laughs> it is de- uh, uh, I, I am not a great Twitter follower. I mostly troll. And, um, oh, that's and great. I, I don't, that. Well, I, I mean – I occasionally troll when I'm bored, but um, for the most part, I just retweet everything. So if you like NBA news that has any kind of relationship to fantasy basketball, I will be retweeting it. And I'm, what that means is like anything that has to do with injuries or you know, roster decisions, rotation decisions, shit like stuff like that. Got it. No problem. And uh, of course, follow my co-host Al at Hunter five one two. Al, what do you have coming up for everybody this season? Uh, I'm going to be having DK picks on expand the box score a few nights a week. So I'm going to be giving you four of my core guys. I'll have a top play and three value guys. And then also we're going to be doing pick and rolls once a week. We're going to be covering DFS leads. We're going to be getting into your season long stuff. And we're also going to be doing more stuff with the flex or fade periscope. So 
be uh, tuning into all that and uh, get ready for the NBA season. It's here. Yeah, you know, we talked about it the other day. Uh, of course, we give you the pick and roll show uh, once a week, but we want to do some live streams once the season really heats up. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll be on the Expand the Box Score Twitter handle, again, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and we'll give you some live streams and talk about the slates for the night um, and be answering your questions live. So we're really looking forward to that. Uh, don't forget to follow uh, at the Expand the Box Score and follow me at FF Professor ST3 for all your fantasy football, fantasy basketball news. Uh, on behalf of Kyle and Al Hunter, my name is Steve Petroni. This has been the Pick and Roll Podcast. <laughs>